Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise the Lord. If you're new to us, just by way of explanation tonight, you know, we were singing in other tongues, Brother Steve here was leading us and praising and worshiping the Lord and he began to sing in other tongues and everybody picked that up. Now see, if you don't know the Bible, if, you, if some people know just enough about the Bible to be aggravating. <laughs> you ever met anybody like that? They knew just about enough about the Bible just to be a, 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 a pain in the neck, you know. And uh, there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that people like to quote says uh, in verse 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Verse 19 says, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in, an, in a tongue, an unknown tongue. And, and I've had people say that before. Well, you know, this is out of order. You're out of order because scriptures say, you know, if there's no interpretation, then that, you know, you, uh, uh, Paul said, I'd rather just speak five words, my understanding than 10,000 words in another tongue. But see, if you don't know the, the Bible and can't put it in context, then that sounds persuasive. And, uh, you know, the people who complain about things like this are people who don't speak in tongues at all. You know, like I said the other day, one of the services recently, people that complain about wildfire in the church usually don't have any fire, you know. Uh, and it's... And I've, and I've tried to tell people before, well, you know, you, you don't have this experience and so you're not able to interpret the scriptures the way you should. You know, there's more, when you have an experience, you understand things and you have revelation about it. Well, this person countered and they said, now, wait a minute, you know, I can read. I don't have to speak with tongues to be able to read what the Bible says about it. Well, that's true. But, uh, you know, the Bible says, for instance, that we're supposed to persevere in, under tests and trials. Isn't that right? How many of you ever had a test or a trial that you've had to persevere? Well, imagine somebody that had never had a test or trial. They never had any, they just never had any test or trials of any kind. Would they understand what persevering was about? No, no, not at all. The scripture says, you know, about uh, training children, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. You know, you're supposed to spank your children when they get out of line. It says, don't let your soul, uh, uh, you know, spare him for the crying. Well, that's easy to say until you have children. Isn't that right? You, you learn, yeah, yeah, you obey the scriptures, but you also understand some things and you put other scriptures together. You see, this verse of scripture here, he, he said, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others. He's talking about doing what I'm doing right now. I'm teaching, I'm instructing, I'm addressing you. Well, it would be better to, to just say five words to you with my understanding that I might teach you than to stand up here and address you, you know, for, for uh, 30 minutes or however long 10,000 words would take. That, that wouldn't be, it wouldn't profit you anything. But see, that's not what we were doing earlier. We were all, no one was trying to teach anybody. We weren't instructing one another. Well, Brother Steve up here in the pulpit, he, you know, he really wasn't addressing you. He was addressing the Lord. He was ministering to the Lord. Amen. And that's what we were all doing. We, just, we, we were all speaking this way, not this way. Amen. 
And, and you see, if that is out of order to do that, then the Holy Spirit was out of order from the very beginning of the church age. Because on the day of Pentecost, they all spoke with tongues and magnified God because the people around them who naturally understood the languages they were speaking, this wasn't the gift of interpretation. There were people there from different nations and they understand the diff, understood the different languages and dialects they heard. They heard them speaking of the wonderful works of God. Well, there was no interpretation. They were all speaking in tongues all at once. Well, if... if what folks have said is true, then that was out of order. Isn't that right? When Cornelius' household, Acts chapter uh, 10, when the Holy Spirit was poured out there, said uh, that the apostles and those with them heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, and there was no interpretation. No, they were, they were addressing the Lord. Amen? So praise God. You know, if, if I said that, you know, if, if, if you're new to us and you wonder about that, I don't want you to get, I don't want the devil to, to take something and, and twist it around because of, of lack of understanding or traditional ideas and, and then hinder you. Or on the other hand, if you're, if you're regular around here and you know these things, this is good information, you know, whenever you're sharing with people and they bring up some point of contention, not to be contentious with them, but just to explain to them better the way of God, amen? amen. It says that Apollos, explain the, word, the way of the Lord more accurately to those that he came in contact with. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Go with me, if you would, tonight over to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. Hallelujah. Let's start in verse number 12, Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. One translation says, all who are led by the Spirit and they alone are sons of God. And so in, in the sense of, of leading uh, people in their daily lives, giving direction in the, in the uh, regular, ordinary things of life, it's the children of God, it's sons of God who have the privilege of being led by the Spirit. This is not something that belongs to the unbeliever. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit will lead the unbeliever to Christ. Because Jesus said when the Spirit has come, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness of judgment. So he does have a ministry to the sinner, but that's not what this is talking about. Being led of the Lord. So the world looks to, to other means to try to discern the will of God because they, they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. And so they're always trying to, to discern you know, what God is saying by things that go on around them, things that happen to them, things that happen uh, to their family or friends or conditions on the job. They say, well, this must be the Lord. You know, everything happens for a reason, they say. And so they're out here, you know, trying to, to locate. But that's not the way the believer is supposed to live. We have the Holy Spirit in us. So we have a unique situation in that we are born of God, born of the Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit lives in us, we're supposed to live and be led from within, on the inside of us, amen. Now, 
can, can anybody tell me what's the number one way the Lord leads every believer? Say it again. The inward witness. It's, and it talks about that right down here in the, in the 16th verse. It says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so that inward witness, that joint testimony of the Spirit is on the inside of every believer. He, the first John 5 says, he who has the Son has the witness in him, in himself, on the inside of him. So we all have the inward witness and that's the primary way, the number one way the Lord leads all of us. This, what's the second way? Can anybody tell me? Say it again. The inward voice, and that's very closely, closely related to the inward witness, is the inward voice. And that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit, though your, your inward man picks it up from the Holy Spirit, but it's the voice of your own inward, inward man. It's the voice of your conscience. The conscience is the voice of your spirit. Have you ever had your conscience talk to you? Yeah. And so that's, that's the second way uh, that the Holy Spirit leads us is through the inward voice. And I would say the inward, the inward witness and the inward uh, voice taken together, it's you know, well over 90% or higher of all of the leadings you'll ever get in your lifetime and probably closer to 100%, I mean real close. Yeah, that's the way the Lord's gonna lead. But then we also talked about the times when the Holy Spirit actually speaks. And this different than your own inward witness and your own inward uh, voice of your inward man, the voice of your inward man is, is described as the still, small voice. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, it, it, it's, it's not a small voice. It, it's, a, it's a very powerful voice. And, uh, and, and you know it. You don't have to ask anybody. You know it when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. We have a couple of, the, uh, of examples. Go over with me to Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know, in Acts chapter 10, we have the story of how the Lord led Peter to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Up until this time, Christianity was considered a sect or uh, a group, you know, out of Judaism. And the Jews at the, in the time of Christ and the time of the, of the gospels and in the early days of the church, the Jews were taught that they were God's chosen people. That much was true. But they were taught that everybody else was, was all other nationalities and groups were just worthless, basically. And they didn't have anything to do with others who were non-Jews. That was the real racial divide of their time. They were very arrogant. And uh, they had a lot of laws had, had been added to the laws that Moses gave them over time. And they had all sorts of rules and regulations governing uh, how they interacted with other people. And Jews were not allowed to go into the home of a Gentile. Jews were not allowed to eat with non-Jews because they considered all other people. See, if you weren't a Jew, whatever nationality or race you were, if you weren't a Jew, uh, you were really considered a dog to the Jews. And you were considered unclean. 
And so they had laws. Moses didn't give them this law, but they had their own traditions that they followed and laws that they were bound uh, to. They had bound themselves to, I should say. Their leaders had give them, given them. And one of those was that you couldn't go in to, to have anything to do with Gentiles. And they didn't preach the gospel. Those Jews who received Christ and believed on him as the Messiah and were born again and filled with the Spirit, they, they had not received the revelation that Jesus was for the whole world. They thought he was just for the Jews. And so they didn't, they didn't try to evangelize non-Jews. They didn't preach to, to the Gentiles. It was just a Jewish thing. And, uh, and so the Lord in the 10th chapter of Acts began to unfold the truth that salvation was for everybody. Well, that was a radical idea. And it, and it took uh, some, some, uh, an outstanding manifestation of God's uh, power and presence and revelation to get that across. So it says here the next uh, that, you know, the first part of the story that Cornelius, he was a centurion. He had a vision. He saw an angel in this vision. This angel appeared to him and, and he was a Gentile, a centurion, a Roman uh, a military man. And, and in this vision, the angel said to send to the city that, that Peter was living in at the time, staying in Joppa, told him to what street Peter was at, where to go, whose house he was in, because he was just visiting there. Said, so go to a certain house on a certain street and inquire of one man named Peter and ask him to come and he will tell you words whereby you and your household can be saved. So he sent a delegation and uh, it says the next day, as they went on their journey, that is this delegation from Cornelius and drew new to the city, near to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air, and incidentally, these were all things that the Jews were not allowed to eat. And uh, then a voice came to him and said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter responded to the voice, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. A voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. And this was repeated three times. Then the object was taken up into heaven again. While Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, Behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, now see, he, he didn't know they were standing at the gate. He's still thinking about this vision that he had seen, pondering it, wondering what it meant. And so the men are standing at the gate, but he doesn't know it. So he's thinking about the vision, and it says, the Spirit said to him, the Holy Spirit. This wasn't the still small voice. This was the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Arise therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, yes, I am whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he, that is Peter, invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied them. Now, he went in and uh, met with Cornelius and his household. All of these Gentiles were together. And so... 
when he got there, Cornelius, Cornelius fell down, you know, like he was gonna worship him. And Peter said, no, stand up, I'm just a man like you. And he says, the Lord has shown me. He, he, by this time, he figured out what the vision meant. He said, the Lord has shown me that I should not call any man common or uncleansed or unclean. And so he began to see that he was to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Because this man said, an angel appeared to me and told me to send for you and you would give me words where I, whereby I could be saved. Well, Peter had enough sense to recognize the move of the spirit, but he also had the word of the Lord. The Lord told him, three men are seeking you, seeking to you, arise and go with them and don't doubt. I've sent them. So he, by the time he got there, it was clear in, in, in his understanding what he was supposed to do. So he preached the gospel to him. He told him about Jesus, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the, of the devil. He preached the gospel to him. And the Bible says while he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word and they were all filled with the Spirit and, and began to speak with tongues and, and magnify God. And, and the brethren who were with him, it says they were astonished they were astonished that on the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit had been poured out, and how did they know it? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And so that was a, that was a very big deal. It was revolutionary to them. It, it was outside the bounds of anything they could have imagined happening. And it was also, it was also something that they were gonna have to defend. Because news of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they went back and as soon as they got back to Jerusalem in the 11th chapter, it says, now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God and when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him saying you went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning and, and so forth and so uh, he convinced those brethren that the Lord had opened the, the gospel to the Gentiles, that, he had, that, that, that the Gentiles were now uh, able to be saved. And so they rejoiced in that. But you know, this was a continuing problem for Peter. It was a continuing problem for Paul. And over in the 15th chapter, turn over there. Now this is describing some events in Paul's ministry. And it says, certain men came down from Judea and taught the bread. That is, they, they came to Antioch. This was, Antioch was Paul's uh, home base. That's where his ministry was based. He would, he would travel from Antioch, go on his missionary journeys, and eventually come back. And so this was home base. It says, certain men came down from Judea. This was after Peter's revelation. Came down from Judea and taught the brethren Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. In other words, he's taught, they're talking to the Gentiles. You're gonna have to submit to the law of Moses and become a Jew before you can be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. And so being sent on their way by the church, they passed through different towns and they made their way to Jerusalem. And uh, it says, when they come into Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and elders and they reported all the things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, these were Christians, believers, they rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. 
Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when, they had been, when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said, brethren, uh, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God who knows the hearts, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered and said, and so he, he we won't read all that he said, but he confirmed also that, uh, that the Gentiles are to be accepted just like they are. So you can see that this was a, a real point of, of contention. This, this uh, separatist movement kept trying to raise its head in the early church. And Peter had to defend it. He said there was no small dispute. And so Peter had to defend this thing over and over. And not only that, Peter in time, he actually got tripped up himself and actually compromised himself. We're reading here about the time in, in Acts chapter 15 when, when Paul and Barnabas went up to Jerusalem to talk to the elders about this. Well, Paul talks about this in the, in, in the book of Galatians. Turn to Galatians chapter one. Galatians chapter one. Hallelujah. Start, uh, let's start chapter two, I'm sorry, chapter two. Then after 14 years, this is verse one of chapter two. After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Jew, was, Jew, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission, not even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seem to be something, whether they were, it makes no difference to me. God knows, God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcision had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was committed to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And with James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. Now notice, then when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. See, there was a point when then Peter, uh, and we don't know for sure if this happened before or after, but at some point, Peter had gone to Antioch, which was Paul's base of operation. And uh, Peter, Paul says here, I withstood him to his face for he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he separated, withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the, of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. 
But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. So you see that, that Peter later, he even got tripped up. I mean, he's the one that, that had the vision. Of the, of the sheet let, uh, let down by the four corners and all the animals rise, kill, and eat and, and went into Cornelius' house. He, even he got tripped up. What am I saying? The Holy Spirit moved in this more, more spectacular way, in this vision, and then the Holy Spirit speaking in such a dramatic fashion because there were difficult times ahead. It was gonna be difficult for Peter to maintain the testimony. If it had just been an inward witness, it would have been no less of God, but it would be easier to discount it. It would be easier later to wonder, well, if, was, was I imagining that? I, you know, you could be talked out of it maybe. But because this was so important, it was nothing less than, than the opening of the, of the gospel to the world. How important was that? Very important. So you see that the Spirit of God spoke in a very dramatic way. And anytime the Holy Spirit speaks, and like I said, this is something that you can expect to happen every day. It's happened to me a few, very few times in my life. But there were times when it, there were times when it was important that I get it. Not that other times aren't important, important. But sometimes it's especially important that you get certain things. Isn't that right? Go with me over to... Uh, the book of Acts again, go over to the 13th chapter of Acts. Acts chapter 13. We'll have another example of this. Acts chapter 13, verse one. Now in the church that was at Antioch, that is the local church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers and it names them. And it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Verse four, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went on their journey. They were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Notice the Holy Spirit said, separate me now, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Just a short statement, but the Holy Spirit said. Now, we don't know exactly how uh, they all heard this. Maybe he said it and they all heard it at the same time. Then it, it mentions these five prophets and teachers that were gathered there. Or it could have been that one of the prophets stood up and, and said by the spirit and, and just, re he heard it. And so he repeated it to the, to the others. But this one thing we do know, we don't know how it was spoken, but we know they all heard it either directly or indirectly through somebody telling them, they all knew that it, and they all agreed that the Holy Spirit had spoken. Well, you know, this is, a, this is a pretty dramatic way to be sent out into the ministry for the Holy Spirit to speak. It doesn't happen to everybody. It didn't happen to me. It doesn't happen to most preachers. Amen. You know, we read about things in the Bible sometimes and we, we can get the idea that these things happen to everybody and they happened all the time. No, no, they don't. 
Thank God when, when he does move in a certain way, but when he moves in more spectacular ways and more, more uh, powerful manifestations, more, more uh, clear like this, it's usually because you're gonna need it later. There's some things ahead for you that you're gonna need to, to know without a shadow of a doubt that God spoke. Well, did, did Paul, as he started out in his ministry, did he, did he have some tough times ahead? Oh boy, did he. Go, go, over to, uh, go over to 2 Corinthians, the 11th, the 11th chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm gonna read this out of the Amplified Bible. So you might wanna just listen. You might not be able to follow it real word for word uh, in your Bible, but I'm gonna read it from the Amplified because I think it makes it a little better. Hallelujah. We'll start in verse number 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. They are Israelites? So am I. They are descendants of Abraham, so am I. Are they ministering servants of Christ, the Messiah? I am talking more like one beside himself, but I am more. With far more extensive and abundant labors and far more imprisonments, beaten with countless stripes, frequently at the point of death, five times from the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes but one. Three times I have been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I have been aboard, been aboard a ship wrecked at sea. A whole night and a day I have spent adrift on the deep. Many times on journeys, exposed to perils from rivers, perils from bandits, perils from my own nation, perils from the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the desert places, perils in the sea, perils from those posing as believers. King James says, perils among false brethren. That's the worst kind. Yeah, <laughs> perils from those posing as, as believers but destitute of Christian knowledge and piety. In toil and hardship, watching often through sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, frequently driven to fasting by want. In other words, didn't, didn't, didn't want to fast, which had to. <laughs> uh, in cold and exposure and lack of clothing. And besides those things that are on the outside, there is the daily inescapable pressure of my care and anxiety for all the church. So my question is, you've been going through what? <laughs> anybody, anybody wanna stand up and say, I've just been going through some hard times, preacher. Not after reading this. No, he, he faced the gauntlet over and over and over and over again. I, I'm sure there are times, he, 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 in his mind, he went back to that time there in, in Antioch when those, when those other ministers by the Spirit all agreed. They all, they all heard the Spirit say, or someone spoke by the Holy Spirit and said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. I'm sure in his mind, he went back to that time and said, oh, thank you. I know I'm called. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I don't care what happens to me. I don't care how great the, 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 the circumstances, how tough the day goes. I'm gonna stand true to my calling because the Holy Spirit said that I've been separated into this ministry. So there are times when the Holy Spirit will speak. 
But uh, I, I wanted to say this to you, and I got this far last time on the Sunday morning. But uh, all leadings that you get, whether it's the inward witness, the inward voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit, all leadings must be judged by the word of God. This has to be the basis for everything. Amen. Over in 1 Thessalonians, let's, let's turn over there and look at it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse number, start in verse 16. Rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Verse 20, do not despise prophecies. Verse 21, test all things. Hold fast what is good. He said we have to test or try or prove all things. And, and how many of you know this is what we test it by? If it's not according to this word, if it's contrary to this word, it could not be the spirit of God. I don't care how uh, uh, subtle or how profound the, the leading might seem to be. If it's not according to this word, if it, if it disagrees with this, if it's not in line with, with what the Bible says about things, then it couldn't be the spirit of God. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> go to John, 1 John. 1 John. Let's look at chapter five. 1 John chapter five. <clears throat> Let's start in verse six. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who bears witness. So this is that witness of the spirit. It's the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. Now, I know some of the modern uh, translations point out that there's a couple of phrases uh, or words in each one of these verses seven and eight that don't appear in the best manuscripts. For instance, in verse seven, the word uh, bear witness, the, the, the words bear witness is not in the best or, or the, the best uh, manuscripts, but they're in some other manuscripts that don't have as much authority. So according to that, there are three in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And then in the next one, it says that the words the Spirit, that's what the scholars say, the, word, the, the words the Spirit are not in the best manuscripts. But uh, taken from the previous verse, you can see that it's probably supposed to be there because it says there are three that bear witness on earth. Well, if you, if you take the spirit out, then there's only two. I don't think this verse says there are three that bear witness on earth, the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. <laughs> no, I, I'm inclined to think it's supposed to be there. And, but what I'm pointing out to you is the word and the spirit agree. The Holy Spirit's not gonna lead you to do something or to take some action or to have some uh, uh, understanding and reveal something to you that's contrary to what's already been revealed. This is the standard right here. And so we have to judge everything by the word. Of course, you know, I, I've given some, some outrageous examples before, 
just to, to show you how, how people can, how far they can get off. But the examples I've given, you remember the time I told you about the man that came in and, and uh, uh, he, he had another man's wife and he was trying to correct me about something and I said, uh, that woman that comes to church with you, isn't she another man's wife? His eyes got real big. He, he said, uh, well, he said, uh, we've, she's prayed about that and the Lord's released her from that. Well, the scripture, New Testament, not Old Testament. New Testament says a woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. Is that right? Huh? Now, she, they weren't divorced. He just went to a local church and, and went in posing as a preacher and a prophet. And this woman left her husband and took up with him and left their daughter. They had a daughter and left her with her husband and, and ran off with this so-called prophet. And then he's gonna correct me. I said, uh, isn't that woman that you've been coming to church with, isn't she another man's wife? Uh, well, well, she's prayed about that and, and the Lord says that, that she's released from that. I said, no, he didn't say that. He, I, I know he didn't say that because that's contrary to this. That, that's called adultery. Sleeping with another man's wife, that's called adultery. And, and it's contrary to this. It couldn't be the word of God. It, could, it doesn't, yeah, the Lord didn't tell your, that, that woman that you're with, your whatever you call her. Uh, she didn't, the Lord didn't tell her that. Oh, yeah, he said, yeah, she's praying. She said, see, now, now that's, that's an extreme case. There's not a person in here that wouldn't have enough sense to see through that. How did he get there? Did he, did he get there? Was he just an ordinary person, just believing the Bible, you know, and always following what the Bible says and then just one day just snapped and, and, and no? Little by little, little by little, he, uh, he would get some, some so-called leadings. I'm sure this is the progression, you know, that, that seemed to be saying this or that or reveal this or that and they weren't in line with the word, but he chose to agree with them and go that way. You can, you can get yourself into serious trouble. You'll start down a road of deception and delusion. The man was delusional. But I'm sure it didn't happen that, just that, in that one uh, uh, situation. I'm sure it started before then. So you have to judge everything by the word of God. I, I like it so much what uh, Dad Hagen taught us. He said one time Jesus appeared to him. I mean appeared to him, he can see him. And, and Jesus gave him some, some, some revelation from the word and, and Brother Hagin said, now Lord Jesus, dear Lord Jesus, he said, I, I, you know, I don't care if you are standing here in front of me, you're gonna have to give me scripture for that. He said, that beats anything I've ever seen. He said, I've read the Bible, you know, the New Testament 150 times and, and I haven't seen that. And Jesus said, there's a lot in there you haven't seen. And, and, and Brother Hagin said, now, Lord Jesus, I, you're, I know you're standing here, but you're gonna have to show me that in the New Testament. I want three references. Jesus said, I'll give you four. And he gave him four references in the New Testament that, that confirmed, I mean, it just, it just, Brother Hagin just hadn't seen it because it wasn't being taught. Nobody, nobody taught that. I'm not saying no one had revelation of it. Someone has at some point, but it was, there, there was tradition being taught in the church that he came up in and he had just never seen that. And the Lord Jesus gave him four references that showed that what he was saying was according to the word and not twisting the, the word. Amen. You can't twist the scriptures to make them say what you want them to say. No, everything has to, be, has to be judged by the word of God. 
And let me say this too. We're not to seek voices. It's unscriptural to seek voices. Sometimes people will hear someone talking about, you know, the, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said such and such. And there have been people, I've heard testimonies, and I don't know any of these people myself, but I've heard testimonies about people that they heard a preacher say, the Lord spoke to me and said a certain thing. And so they started, they started seeking that the Lord would speak to them that way, that they'd hear an audible voice, that they'd have some, you know, uh, spectacular, you know, the only thing that we have scripture that we can complain, that, that we can, that we can uh, claim for ourselves is that, that we're led by the Spirit. Because it says, all who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. And the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. That belongs to all of us. We have a right to claim that. We do not have a right to claim that the Holy Spirit would speak. He does that if he chooses to. And, and you can get into real serious trouble uh, asking for voices, seeking voices, seeking to hear something like that because the devil can accommodate you. He is a master of deception. And whenever you take a step off of the word of God and get out into a, an area that's outside the, the, the parameters of the word, then you're on his territory and he can deceive you. That's why you need to stay over on the word. Just stay on the word, Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And uh, I also wanted to talk to you about, about prophets and prophecy. You know, uh, the Lord will speak sometimes through people and, and give a word of instruction. But you know what? You, you don't follow those things unless it bears witness with you. Unless it's something the Holy Spirit shows you, it has been revealed to you or dealing with you or something that he uh, shows to you later, you just leave it alone. But see, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you don't have to turn there because I know you know it. It says, he who prophesies speaks unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. The simple gift of prophecy doesn't have any Foretelling. It doesn't foretell the, uh, the future, predict the future. There's no prediction whatsoever in the simple gift of prophecy. When someone prophesies, they're speaking edification, exhortation, and comfort to people by the inspiration of the Spirit. And thank God for that. We need that. But, we don't, but we're not to be led by prophecies and we're not to be led by prophets. Now, I made mention of the man who came who said he was a prophet and I know I said it in, in my, uh, the way I said it, you know, indicated that, that he wasn't, but it's not because I don't believe in prophets. The Bible says that God has set these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. And over in, in uh, uh, Ephesians, that's in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, in Ephesians 4, 11, it says, when Christ ascended on high, he led captivity captive, gave gifts to men, verse 10. But then verse 11, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Well, everybody is uh, uh, comfortable with the idea of pastors and evangelists and teachers, but what about apostles and prophets? You know, God set these in the church. The Lord Jesus gave them to the church neither Jesus nor the Father ever took them back. Amen. 
They belong. And there is a legitimate ministry of the apostle and the prophet. Now, why am I saying these things to you? Because we're living in the last days and before the Lord returns, all of these ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, all of these ministries, helps included, all the ministries will be functioning in, in the church that's flowing with the Holy Spirit. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying they're all gonna be functioning in every church because there are people who aren't gonna flow with the Spirit no matter what. But I'm talking about in the, in the body of Christ, in, in, in the, the, the uh, part of the body of Christ that's hungering for him. He has a people. God has a people. And he will have a church in the last days that are going to flow with him and move with him. Praise God. Well, in that church, in that portion of the body of Christ, the, these ministry gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, helps, government, all of, they're all going to be operating at the fullness of their potential before Jesus returns. Now, I can't prove that by the scripture, but I know this, and it's only logical, I think I can by logic, that he gave these, what for? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. I'm quoting the rest of the fourth chapter of Ephesians here. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the, and of the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Amen. So I think it's, it's, uh, easy to say that before Jesus returns, all of these ministries will have to be functioning. But I know from experience that apostles and prophets cause a lot of problems. It's not easy to have the ministry of the, uh, in other words, have the mantle, the calling of an apostle or of a prophet. It's not easy to do that and stay on course. Because there is so much false teaching and so much and so many unscriptural ideas associated with these things that I've seen good men that I personally know that operate in these offices, I've seen them start abusing them. It's an easy thing to do. We have to stay in the word of God. We have to measure everything up by the word of God. Amen. And so there are prophets and there are apostles, but even the prophet uh, is not, was not placed in the body of Christ to lead people and guide people. Amen. Go with me over to uh, Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Hallelujah. Let's start in verse 25. Then Barnabas... Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul, who later became Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church, the local church there in Antioch, and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And in those days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus. So there were others. There were prophets. And well, how do we know that? Well, God set these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that, so forth, isn't that right? So we shouldn't be surprised by this. So in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them was named Agabus. He stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world. 
which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Now the last part of this verse, that last part, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar, that's commentary. And let me just say this, if a prophet predicts something and it doesn't come to pass, then he, then he was wrong. Amen, he missed it. See, we still have to judge things. And so the scripture confirmed, not only did he prophesy or, or give this revelation, he didn't really prophesy, it just says he showed by the spirit. And he had a, he had a, a, a manner of, of operation, he had a, a way of, of demonstrating things sometimes very dramatically. And so somehow he showed by the spirit, it doesn't say he prophesied it, but he showed by the spirit that this drought or this famine was coming and it says it happened. But then going back to the, to the present time, then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did, sent it, by the, sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now here this prophet Agabus showed something by the spirit. But it doesn't say that the disciples had to do anything. He didn't instruct them to do anything. He didn't tell them to go to Jerusalem. And, and take relief. All he did was, was show by the Spirit that a great famine was coming. Then the disciples determined to send relief. They, they, they did this on their own. Now they judged what he said and believed it was true, but they acted on it because they, they had something on the inside to tell them to do it. Notice the prophet didn't tell them what to do. He didn't even suggest that to them. So they weren't really led by this prophet. They, they were influenced by this prophecy, but something had to convince them that it was true. And so convinced that it was of the Spirit. See, we all have the witness of the Spirit on the inside, and we all have the ability to know when something is of the Holy Ghost and when it isn't. And we all have the Word of God. Yeah. I was recently in some meetings and there were some things that took place, not, not just in the, in the last few weeks, but before that, I was in some meetings and some things took place that the leaders of the meeting claimed were of the Holy Spirit. Well, the, the, uh, this, this uh, man and his wife called me and they said, what do you think about the meetings? And I said, well, uh, I think that uh, there was a good anointing there present, but I think the anointing was abused all week long. Well, uh, they didn't receive that. Now, I'm just one person. But there were other ministers there who agreed with me. And we all were convinced this is not the moving of the Spirit. But you know what? That man and the woman who headed that up, all of us are wrong. We're all wrong. And, and they said essentially uh, that, I, that, that I, because I'm, I'm the one that first you know, answered the question, that I don't know the move of the spirit and because I'm not a prophet and I haven't been around prophets, I just don't understand those things. Well, I'm not a prophet, but I know the Holy Ghost. And besides that, it's not according to the scriptures, not according to the word of God, some things that happen. So it doesn't matter who you are, if you're a child of God, you have an unction, a, 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 an anointing on the inside that will speak to you and teach you and reveal to you whether something's right or wrong. Evidently, they had that on the inside of them because they determined to send to Jerusalem. And you see that? Go on over from there to uh, the 13th chapter. We read it just a minute ago. I'm just showing you that there were prophets in the church. 
in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Well, there should be prophets and teachers in the church today. Amen. And so as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now the Holy Spirit might have said this to one of the prophets and they just repeated it. Or they might have all heard it in their spirit. But uh, so it says there were certain prophets and teachers. They named five of these men. So all of these five people that were listed were either a prophet or they were a teacher or they might have been a prophet and a teacher. We know a couple of them that was true. So anyway, there were prophets there. Go over to the 15th chapter. Look at the 15th chapter of Acts. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 15, verse number Let's start in verse 30. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. That's, that is the, the decree we read earlier but in the 15th chapter of Acts about the Jerusalem council there in Acts chapter 15 where they came together again to discuss this uh, uh, idea that the Jews had, or the Gentiles had to become Jews first. And uh, they wrote a letter. Finally, the, the, the consensus was that Gentiles don't have to become Jews to be saved. And so they sent a, uh, they wrote a letter and sent it by Paul and his company. So when they were sent off, they came, Paul and his company, they came, they gathered the multitude together, delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas, this is not a Judas Iscariot, obviously, another Judas, and Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets also, noticed, notice, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. That, that's, that's the job of the prophet, is to exhort and strengthen with, with words. The prophets are first and foremost preachers. They're just like, all, they have that common denomination with all other ministers, they're gospel preachers. They might be preachers or they might have a, a, a more of a logical bent to teaching rather than you know, the emo, more emotional preaching side. But they're either prophets or teachers, and I mean uh, 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 preachers or teachers, but they have this added thing to them, their ministry, their prophets. And it says here, there, there, there were prophets. Being prophets, they exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. It doesn't say they gave them any direction. That's, that's not the main job of the prophet, is to give direction. The main job of the prophet is to just speak by inspiration. The prophet preaches and teaches more by inspiration than anything else. And by, by sudden uh, uh, unction of the spirit. And, and many times revelation will come out, but, that, but that's not what they try to do. They don't come in with the idea that I'm a prophet, so I gotta, I gotta predict something tonight. And, and, that, and there, are, there are men who've gotten into the office of the prophet. They were genuinely called as prophets, but then they begin to, to think, well, I've got to perform. People expect me to predict things. People expect me to, to give them words about the future. And so they start, they start moving uh, in, into a place where they're just, they're just uh, inclined to do it and the devil accommodates them and they don't even realize many times they're yielding to a wrong spirit. I don't want anything to do with prophets like that. I, I, I want, and I know prophets. The prophets that we have fellowship with are, are men who, who uh, know the operation of the spirit and they don't try to push anything through. That's important, amen. And then go on from there uh, to the 21st chapter of Acts, Acts 21. Verse number eight, on the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed, came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, 
who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. He had four daughters who prophesied, but they weren't prophetesses. They were, they were believers who prophesied. In other words, they operated in the simple gift of prophecy. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came from Judea. See, the virgin daughters weren't prophets or prophetesses. They were just believers who exercised the simple gift of prophecy, which is speaking exhortation, edification, comfort. But then it says, uh, uh, we stayed many days and a certain prophet named Agabus, the same one we read about in the 11th chapter, came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, thus says the Holy Spirit. Now he's speaking by the Spirit. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now notice, now when we heard these things, both we, that is Luke wrote this, he's talking about himself and his company, both we and those from that place pleaded with him, Paul, not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why do you, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And so when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying the will of the Lord be done. See, this would have been a, a, a this was a good opportunity for, for Paul to miss the direction of the spirit. All of the people that heard this, notice this prophet didn't give Paul any direction. He didn't tell him to go or not to go. He just said, thus says the Holy Spirit, the Jews will bind the man who owns this girdle and deliver him to the hands of the Gentiles. But he didn't give him any advice. He just said what the Spirit said. Well, the others there, even Luke, and these men, many of them were, were well-seasoned ministers of the gospel, they misinterpreted what the Spirit was saying. And they tried to persuade Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Didn't you just hear what, what prophet Agabus just said? They're gonna bind you up and put you in prison. They misunderstood it and misinterpreted it because you see, if you go back to the 20th chapter, this is the 21st chapter, if you go back to the 20th chapter, Paul had already said when he was in uh, Miletus at, at this uh, minister's conference with these elders at, at Ephesus, he said in verse number uh, 22, Acts 20, 20, 20, 22, 20, 20, 2022, and see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Well, he found out through Agabus what was gonna happen. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. He said, I got a witness in my spirit. Everywhere I go, chains and tribulation await me. In every city. I know that much. I don't know what's gonna happen in Jerusalem, but I know everywhere else I go, chains and imprisonment awaits me. So he already had this in his spirit. He already, he already had the leading and he said, I'm going. I'm going bound in the spirit, praise God. He said, verse 24, none of these things move me more do I count, nor do I count my life dear to myself that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Whoo, glory to God. He was ready to go. He knew God had called him. And so all this prophet did was just tell him what was ahead of him so he could be prepared for it, but uh, uh, he, he didn't take it as direction not to go. And so he went, and I know there's a whole school of theology that teaches that Paul missed it, 
that he should not have gone to Jerusalem, that the Spirit was trying to warn him, trying to persuade him not to go. And if he hadn't gone, he, he wouldn't have uh, got into trouble with the Jews and, and compromised and all this stuff happened. You know, just a whole uh, system of, of, of explanation. And, and it's not right at all. Paul didn't miss it. The way I know he didn't miss it is just a few days later, after he, he went to, right after that, he went to Jerusalem. The next day, he was uh, uh, taken into custody by the Jews. And, uh, uh, you know, they, were, they delivered him to the Roman officials. And so he was, uh, he was bound. And uh, in verse number, let's see, 23, verse number 11, just a, just a couple of days later, it says, the following night, Acts 23, 11, the following night the Lord spoke to him, stood by him and said, now this is the first, the first reference we have of the Lord saying anything. After he went to Jerusalem, after he was handed over by the Jews to the Romans and he was in custody, this is the first time Jesus had anything to say to him. The following night the Lord stood by him and said, Paul, you lughead, didn't I send Agabus to tell you he bound his hands and feet? What is wrong with you, son? You, you, you shouldn't have been here. You wouldn't have gotten. Is that what he said? No. He said, be of good cheer, Paul. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. It was part of God's plan. If Paul had missed it, this would have been the perfect time to tell him. Isn't that right? But, but Jesus appeared to him here. Later, on, on board the ship, where they were shipwrecked that one particular time, it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him, and not at any point did he ever get a rebuke. No, Paul was in the will of God. So the prophet's ministry is given to encourage, strengthen, exhort, and if revelation does come, it, it has to confirm something you already know in your heart. Really, these other ministers took the words of Agabus as a warning not to go. Paul took it as a confirmation that he was supposed to go because it went along with all what he, he already had in his spirit. He said, I don't know what's gonna befall me, but I know this, everywhere I go, I have a witness that, that chains and imprisonment await me. So what was, this prophet confirmed what he had. Amen. And so, you know, we need to know that because the Lord does move through these means sometimes and through special words and so forth. But when they happen, they all, have to be, they all have to be submitted, first of all, to the word of God. And secondly, what have you got in your own heart? Amen. Hallelujah. If, if, if a prophet or anyone says to you, I just believe the Lord's saying such and such, you need to judge it in your own heart. Does this bear witness with you? Is this something the Lord's been leading me, uh, you about? You, know, you just have to internalize that and, and decide. I, I know in this particular, we were just out in California last week at the Dufresne's uh, Holy Ghost meeting and two different people uh, came up to me. One was a prophet and another was a pastor. Two different people that I, I esteem. I, I esteem their ministry. Independently, they both came up and said, now, Pastor Anderson, uh, I, I believe the Spirit of God's saying this uh, about you, da-da-da-da. The first one did it, and, and, and he said, now, I, I'm, I'm human, I can miss it, and if I miss it, just say so. But da-da-da, he told me what he, what he thought the Spirit was saying. And he, he was telling me something that was gonna happen. And uh, I, didn't have any, I didn't have any witness. 
I, I hadn't even thought about what he was talking about. I hadn't been thinking about it. Uh, and I said, well, I thank you for, for, for telling me that. I'll, I'll just keep that in my heart. Thank you. Well, I'm not going to act on that just because somebody said it. And it's not that I don't believe him. I, I believe he's got a good ministry. But I have to judge this internally. What, what's the Spirit of God saying to me? Well, this person said this one morning. And about two days later, this other minister, not knowing what the other one said, said, uh, Pastor, I was doing so and so, and the Lord just, I, I just believe the Lord just told me and told me the same thing. And I said, Well, that's interesting, because I've already heard this once this week. And I said, uh, when this other brother said it, uh, I just, I didn't tell him that I, I, I don't have that, but I just thanked him. And I said, so I'll keep that in my heart. You know, when, when the, when the uh, shepherds came in from the field, when Jesus was born, they came in, you know, the, the heavenly host, just the sky must have just lit up with this display of angels. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill to be. It had to have been a, a, an awesome thing. And they came in and they, they came in and they found the baby, you know, and, and, uh, and, and worshiped. And then they went out and told everybody all about it. I mean, just spread it all around. The Bible says Mary kept these things and pondered them in her heart. That tells me that she didn't know what to think about it, really. I mean, she, had some, she already had some pretty dramatic uh, uh, understanding of the birth, I mean, she, she had Gabriel appear to her and tell her she was gonna have a child, you know, and she wasn't uh, married, never, never been with a man, and, and she believed that. I mean, there were some supernatural things, but what these, what these um, shepherds were telling her, the whole sky lit up and so forth, says she just kept these things and pondered them in her heart. Well, I'm not about to act on, on something because two people said something. I don't care if it was two. It could be 22, not unless I have it in my spirit. But I, I know enough uh, about the move of God and the things of God, I'll just keep it in my heart. And, uh, and I prayed about it a little bit after the second person talked to me. I prayed about it a little bit and I still didn't get anything. Well, I'm not planning a six-day fast to try to pull something out I mean, I'm serving God. I'm his son. Those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. I, 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 you know, he leads me. If he wants me to know about this that they were talking about, he can talk to me. And if he doesn't talk to me, I'm not touching. I'm not doing anything with it. Hallelujah. I, I, I said this. The Lord gave me this. And I think it's worth writing down or memorizing. And remember, if you don't have if you're not sure enough to act on some particular leading or direction, if you're not sure enough to act without a prophecy or without some kind of a special manifestation, then you're not sure enough to act with it or act on it. If you're not sure enough in your leadings to go a particular way, to do a certain thing, if you're not, if you're not con convinced enough internally on the inside in your own inward witness and own leading by the Spirit to take certain action, you don't, you, you, you don't have enough leading to do it even if, if someone speaks to you about it. Isn't that right? Because people get themselves into all kinds of trouble following what some prophet, so-called prophet said, or even a true prophet. You know, even men and, and women who are, who are uh, uh, 
have reputation and have valid ministries. They can miss it. They can misunderstand things, misinterpret things. I've done it myself. I've had the Lord uh, uh, speak to me about things, reveal things to me, and I put my own interpretation on it. Later I found out, oh, that's not, <laughs> that's what the Holy Spirit meant by that. So that can happen to anybody. Amen. But we need the manifestations of the Spirit. Hallelujah. The Corinthian church had all of these. They had these manifestations. I'll close with this verse of scripture. I know I've been up here a few minutes. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians, a few minutes, they say. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter one. Verse four. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. Those are reference to the, uh, references to the utterance gift, gifts and the revelation gifts. He said you were enriched. These gifts of the Spirit enrich us, but they're not supposed to direct our lives. He said you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. See, the, the ministry of the prophet, when, when a, a, a direction or a word of direction comes, it's meant to confirm something in you. And, and it'll either confirm something that you have already, or if it doesn't, like I, I just describe it as just putting it on the shelf. I just put it on the shelf. I'm not throwing it in the trash can. I just put it on the shelf. Now, if it came through somebody that I didn't have a lot of confidence in, that I knew was a fruit and a flake and a weirdo, I'd probably throw it away. But if it comes through somebody that I respect, I just put it on the shelf. I just log, you know, just store it away. And later, if it confirms something, we'll praise God. Amen. He says, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you came short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. God has a lot of ways and uh, uh, avenues of reaching us. The most common is the inward witness, the inward voice, those two together. I mean, it's just, uh, that's the normal way, the everyday way. And then if he chooses to, to uh, reveal something through some of these other means, you see people in the New Testament having visions, getting direction from angels and, and Jesus appearing to them and different things. But you know, if, you, if you're not careful, you'll think these things happened every day. But they didn't. The book of Acts spread, spans a 30 or 40 year period. And these things happened in most of these people's lives once or twice in their whole lifetime. A few of them four or five times. But uh, uh, they're not everyday occurrences. The everyday occurrence is being led by the, by the inward witness and the inward voice. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.